Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Ladies and gents, I am so excited about this. Um, today we have um, Eleanor Joy Thurston um, on, on this episode, who is an inspirational speaker and a founder of the Pride and Joy Foundation. This is dedicated to building self-awareness and safety in the LGBTQ families and their allies. And, and their allies. And the education resources which they have teach concepts such as core values, limiting beliefs and self-awareness in an affordable and accessible way. Additionally, the foundation hosts an online support group and queer parents with straight kids get to receive and give support to straight parents with queer kids and allies get to learn how to raise the next generation of allies. Eleanor grew up in a turbulent home. She joined a conservative church as a teenager. She put herself through college, married and birthed four beautiful children. And then, no, I'm going to stop there because I want Eleanor to tell her story. And as I was just sort of um, chatting to her uh, at the beginning, I was basically saying this interview, I hand on heart, am coming from a place of learning because I do not know terribly much about um, the LGBTQ community and the struggles, and I want to learn more, and I want to be educated, and I'm hoping that um, many other parents are in the same boat or are looking for support and guidance. So, Eleanor, my darling, thank you so much for being here. I'm absolutely, I have been so excited about this episode um, because this is, this is, green territory for me and um I, I i said to you earlier i will be asking maybe some silly questions um i ho- hope i choose not to offend and i hope they are sort of come in the sort of nature that um you know they that they are received the questions are received in the nature that i delivered them but i am really excited for this and say say thank you and i'm willing to hear more and learn so thank you I am so excited to be here because I think we can all agree we need more forums like this where like-minded people, even if we don't agree 100%, and I sure hope we don't, right? But where we can come together and say, okay, this is a space for learning. Ask every question. Yeah. And there's no room for offense when there's genuine, authentic desire to learn, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm so excited to be here because I think this is a rare opportunity to have a 
an honest and authentic yes. conversation about this, especially Absolutely. when it comes to the parenting issues. Yeah. Well, I think, and, and I think, you know, so I, I um, live in Northern Ireland, which is a sort of part of the UK, but it's also sort of, it, it is the top bit of Ireland. Um, and historically we have sort of, you know, a, a lot of our beliefs and um, our core values are based on religion. And we know that sometimes religion um, is not terribly, um, well, sensitive, maybe, I, I, you know, to, to, to the sort of LGBT community. I know things are changing, but historically it's been hard, which actually segues nicely into the start of your story. So do you want to take us sort of through that to begin with? Absolutely. So, yeah, where you kind of left off in the intro is that I was married. I was in a very devout faith framework and community, and I had four I have four beautiful, wonderful children. And I was living in the quintessential American suburban neighborhood, literally white picket fences, literally tree-lined streets, right? Like the whole thing. I drove the minivan. I drove all the carpools. Like I was so in that, in that realm, you know? Yeah and play dates and the whole thing. You know, every kid had a sport, every kid had an instrument, like we did all the things. And my youngest went off to school and I started to realize there were thoughts in my head that were unacceptable because I had, I knew that I lived a very blessed and privileged life. And so to have these thoughts in my head of, oh, I don't, I don't like my life. I, I really don't want to live this life. That was unacceptable to have those thoughts. And so they were covered with a blanket mm -hmm. in my brain. I call it my blanket of shame and shoved in a corner and not even acknowledged, right? Unfortunately, when you do that, the, the things under the blanket get bigger and louder. <laughs> and scarier. And scarier. Yes, exactly. Okay. So um, I started to try to lose myself in these hobbies, uh, literally to run for my life. And it's ironic because I was trying to do long distance running. I was doing weightlifting. I loved it because I, I loved this external feedback of I could focus on something. I could get better at it. And I was in control of it. And I really liked that a lot because I couldn't control my thoughts. I couldn't control what was going on inside my body. And so I was just controlling literally how my body looked from the outside. I think a lot of us fall into that trap when our youngest goes off to school and all of a sudden we have this time in our day. It, it was definitely the trend in my neighborhood was that once your kid, last kid goes off to school, your next step is to join a gym, honey. <laughs> I, I literally and I, I I sort of probably followed that mold as well and um it was it was sort of filling the gaps and maintaining the busyness because there was nothing worse than actually peering at the mirror and sort of going now it's all about you dear because it, it's just it was scary you're quite right it, it's amen yeah. yeah yes and so one of the hobbies that I ended up picking up I needed I needed things that just took my whole brain so that I couldn't hear that shame blanket over in the corner. And so I actually picked up fly fishing. It's this awesome sport that takes like your whole self, like your whole body and your whole brain. And it's funny because I've looked now at how 
fly fishing attracts both men and women. And I think it really attracts men because they do singularly focus so well. And so it's, it's in their vein of strength. Mm-hmm. And it attracts women because we don't singularly focus that well. We don't um, come into our bodies and really stay very, very present. We always have 437 tabs open in our brain, right? Okay. And so, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it's really nice to have something that shuts down those tabs. And that's what the sport did for me. Um, and I realized it was kind of a form of meditation. But it was very embodied, like you have to be so present in order to do that sport. Plus, you're standing in a river in a gorgeous place, like it's just really good for you. And it helped me feel safe in my body and feel safe in my thoughts. And I started to actually think about those thoughts under the blanket in the corner of my brain. And I started to realize I was not attracted to my husband and we did not have a healthy relationship and I was completely in love and lust with my best friend. And that was, that was really hard to get a grasp on. And I don't think I fully did. I think I really skirted around the edges. I really justified. I really excused a lot, right? Like I I gave a lot of excuses about Mm -hmm. why that could possibly be. To the point that I didn't even see, say the word lesbian for a very long time because I was really convincing myself, oh, I've lived 17 years in a marriage without any intimacy, any happy intimacy. So I deserve this. And, and I'm going to like explore these feelings I've never felt before. And then I'll take it back to my marriage, right? Like the justification was thick, <laughs> real thick. So... <laughs> um, But what it came down to was I now had feelings for her that I had never had for my husband. And okay, now we need, we really have to deal with this. It's come to a head and I need to confess this to my husband. I need to confess this to my bishop. And it was never a question. I was absolutely never, ever, ever going to get a divorce because to me, divorce is failure. Mm -hmm. I am not a failure. I do not introduce failure into my children's lives. And therefore, there's no way we're getting a divorce. No, sit down. We're here. (laughs) And so in order to do that, I enrolled myself in conversion therapy, which is any therapy whose goal is to suppress the same sex attraction and result in heteronormative attraction. Mm -hmm. And so that can range. It can be anywhere from something pretty physically invasive to something that's just very emotionally manipulative. And so when people typically think about conversion therapy, they think, oh, like electroshock therapy. Okay, well, that was the very popular method in the 60s and 70s. And then political correctness kind of turned the tide. And now we don't talk about conversion therapy as much, but it's still happening. And so the physically invasive version that's very popular right now, especially at the camps with the kids, is um, forcing them to watch homoerotic images. And then... um, making them drink a drink, like a charcoal drink that makes them vomit. So it's creating that mind-body connection. So that's what's happening on one end. And on the other end, there's simply someone, either a therapist or a religious leader, that's saying, you are broken, and if you pay me enough money, I will fix you. So that's, and there's a whole spectrum in between. But that's 
the, that's it in a nutshell of what conversion therapy is. And it still happens everywhere all the time. And, but I did not know that because I lived in my bubble. <laughs> I, literally... I, I, I too was in this bubble because I remember when you started talking about it when, you know, on our sort of pre-call and I was sort of going, well, yeah, I, I, it must go on a bit. And it was when you were explaining, no, that's, this actually is, is rife. And, and actually, especially um, we, we don't sort of have summer camps so much in the UK like you guys in, in the States do, but especially the, the sort of the therapy side when you were sort of saying is how we will fix you. Um, you know, something must have happened to make you this way, so we will fix you. And it's like, it sounds really plausible, doesn't it? Doesn't it? There's a lot of logic there. You know, yeah, totally. and, and there's that logic of, okay, yeah, I mean, we very much believe that traumatic experiences in our early childhood and our early life can affect us later in life. Mm-hmm. So that's logical and plausible. Um, and, and, and we can definitely respond to that. Um, but just FYI, like just last week, I found a church in Northern Ireland that does a three-day conversion therapy camp, conversion therapy camp. Um, and it's about you don't eat or drink for three days. You pray for about three hours at a time. And then at the end of the three days, the church will present you with the fruits of, the, of God. And that's the food. And by taking it in, you are uh, cleansing yourself of the same sex attraction. But no food or drink for three days. That's correct. So you are literally broken down, aren't you? Yes, you are. Oh, my stars. Right. And, and I found that in a five-minute Google search. So... <laughs> This is everywhere. Yeah. Um, and there are laws that are trying to be in place. And I, and, I, and I go around the world and I speak to those laws because there's very few conversion therapy survivors that can speak about their experience. You've, you've so, done a, TED talk, a, a TEDx talk on this, haven't you? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yep. I, yep. I, will, I will put the link in, in the show notes because I think that's so important for, for those parents that are interested and, and want to know more, myself included. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so important to lift the lid on this. Right, because I truly feel like the demand for these programs would go away if straight loved ones knew what the ramifications were. I really do. Like, I feel like if my community had known that there's a 57% suicide rate with conversion therapy, my husband and Bishop would not have let me go. My best friend would not have let me go. I mean, we, were, we are all college-educated adults, and we just didn't know. And so that's my goal. I truly feel like parents and spouses would not, the industry wouldn't exist if the world knew the ramifications. So in your experience, why are parents sending their kids for conversion therapy? Is it is it because they're parenting from fear? Is it because they don't approve? Is it because they want their children to have, air quotes, the best sort of start in life? Well, what is it? What, what, what are the reasons behind this to try and sort of, well, I was going to say change your DNA, but it's, it's not quite that. But it's it's trying to change the very substance of someone, isn't it? It is. So, so what's and the I, driver behind this? Well, I feel like it's a very split energy. On one side, you have total love. You know, you have your child whom you love more than anything, 
and he comes out to you when he's 14, 16, or worse, you outed him or someone else outed him. Mm -hmm. And it is hard to be a gay man in our world. Like it is, it's not an easy life and no one wants their kid to have a hard life. And so, so there is that feeling of wanting, if you can change it, why wouldn't you, right? That's the logic as a parent. If we can make your life easier, why wouldn't we do that? And I love you so much. I will do anything. I'll pay any amount of money. I will send you anywhere. Unfortunately, then the other energy kicks in, which is fear. Mm -hmm. And so because we are all, we all have our own sexuality story inside of us that, that, you know, changes our opinion about things and creates a lot of fear around things. And when we have that fear, then our higher level critical thinking skills shut down. Because when you're thinking about switching your kid's school, for example, right? Like if your kid's not doing well at their school and you're like, okay, let's explore other options. What do you do? You talk to other parents, you read a ton of reviews online, you do a bunch of research, and then you make the best decision you possibly can for your kid. But when you're controlled by fear, you are grasping at straws. You're not doing any research. If you did research, you would know that therapists can't be trained in this whatsoever. There's no like, what's the best school for this therapist to have gone to to get this degree? That doesn't exist because the APA debunked this entire pseudoscience a long time ago. So if you did any research because you weren't feeling fearful, you would make the best decision for your kid. But when you get trapped in fear mm -hmm. and fear about being able to belong to a family, to a community, it's like deep-seated DNA fear, right? Like yeah. thousands yeah. and thousands of years ago, if you didn't belong to the tribe, that line was going to bite your butt. <laughs> like there was a big problem if you didn't belong. And so on a DNA level, we are striving to belong. And so here we are as parents and we're afraid that our kid isn't going to belong for the rest of his life. There's a lot of fear around that. And when fear leads the show, that's when we make decisions that are regretful. But is it, and for, forgive the naivety, is this mm -hmm. still such a tricky problem given that our our my kids generation are so much more inclusive are so much more um acceptable for difference and and they don't sort of they don't question it and they don't judge as much as parents so is is it still you know i i know it, it's sort of historically it was you know such a taboo is is there still that sort of taboo and shame of coming out of being different of being you know sort of lgbtq is, is there that is that still sort of around as much yeah unfortunately i have to say that it is um and i'll give you two concrete examples of that one is that at least in the united states i've not done this research in europe in the united states of the youth that are homeless, 40% of them are LGBT. Now, LGBT youth only make up 5% of the general population, but they make up 40% of homeless youth. So that tells me there are parents kicking their kids out, or there are kids that are in fear of a, a huge amount of fear that they're willing to risk living on the streets than living at home. Okay, so there's that. But there's also a very concrete example of, I was speaking to a school not long ago 
they that district has absolutely no sex education and they actually didn't listen to my TED talk. They just knew that I was a TED speaker. And so they invited me to talk to their speech class. Oh, cool. They didn't know what it was about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, do your homework first, folks. (laughs) Yeah. So needless to say, by the end of the talk, two interesting things happened. One, the school was inflamed. They were so upset that I said words like lesbian and gay to these seventh graders. But the other thing that happened was I, I was done speaking. <laughs> there was a crowd of adults in the back of the classroom that was starting to gather. Um, but I was at the front of the classroom and this little girl walked up to me, 12 years old, dressed all in black, head to toe, big blue eyes with tears coming down her cheeks and saying, can I just give you a hug? I came out as a lesbian this year and my dad is really upset. My mom is accepting, but now they're having marital problems and I think it's all my fault. And yeah, yeah, that's life for these kids. Do I think that her peers are accepting? I think her peers could care less. Her peers way more concerned about their own hairstyle than they are about her sexuality, right? So the problem's coming from us adults, isn't it? It really is. And I think, and and on the back of that, I know that you're a firm believer that actually, yes, the problem is coming from us, the parents, the teachers, the, you know, the coaches or whoever, the adults. But a lot would be a lot of these issues would be alleviated if in fact we looked in the mirror and had a look at our own issues is that fair to say exactly which is why the foundation teaches self-awareness because we were looking like our big audacious goal is to decrease the suicide and homelessness rate in the lgbtq right and so i feel like the most direct path there is teaching self-awareness because self-awareness is not only going to help make these kids healthier but it's going to make their family a safer environment because if their parents embrace self-awareness then then we have a path towards healthiness and towards functionality that's when we have the because we can't have these kids growing up for the next 10 15 years under a cloud of shame and doubt. Yes. Because that creates gay adults who are not functional. Yeah. Because that's the other problem we have is that we lost a ton of our elders in the 80s and 90s due to, due to the AIDS epidemic. So we have pandemic. So we have, we don't have the institutional memory of most marginalized communities. We don't have a huge base of functional, healthy, living a wonderful, fulfilled, satisfied life of gay elders. We don't have that to look towards. And so we need our straight parents to create that for us, to create the possibility of that for us. And that's where we run into a problem because we are the only marginalized community that we're not born into families that are of the same marginalized community, right? If I was black, I would have been born into a black family and my parents would have got it like on a deep fundamental level, they would have got my struggle. That doesn't happen for LGBTQ people. Typically we are born into families that our parents do not get it. 
and they need to seek out and be intentional to figure out how to get it. So how, how do you advise us parents that, you know, who, who might, if we might suspect our child is LBGTQ or if, if, if they've already come out or whatever it is, what, what is our, what is our, our sort of next step? What do we do? How, how do we sort of gain the knowledge and, you know, I, I, I'm sure we can just sit there and Google, but you know, you know, yeah. like, there's not, not, not everything we read is true or, or reliable. So what sure. do we do? So the very first thing we do, the very first thing we do is take a look at our own sexuality story. How do you feel about being a woman? How do you feel about being a woman attracted to men? How has that affected your life? And what, when was the first time you were exposed to someone on the LGBTQ spectrum? Like, what was your story that you grew up with? Were you, did you have a gay uncle who no one ever talked about him? Or was he like integrated into your life as a kid? Right. So asking yourself those questions and being able to remove judgment. And so being able to remove like, oh yeah, my parents talk bad about homosexuals all the time. They were bad parents. No, we don't have to go there. We can take away that judgment. So for example, I had another big issue under my shame blanket in my head, right? For a real long time, I was attracted to women and I couldn't even acknowledge that that issue was in my head. And so there are things like that for everyone. We all have those issues. We all have things under the blanket in our head and we cannot help our children deal with who they are until we have dealt with who we are. And that's scary. Facing, yeah, up to, it is. facing up to the, dare I call it, the fly fishing moment. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of, um, it is, especially when, let's say, for example, you know, you suddenly realize, flip's sake, I'm 55 and I've been living a life for all that long, or, or I am now sort of having the courage to dig and actually it's a bit scary and I know a lot of love, fingers and ears and I don't want to know about it. So, it, what is it? is it? Is it just compassion? Is it keep digging, face the fear and feel it anyway? Um, you know, how, how do we, how do we tackle all this? Well, I know for me, I got to a point where I realized that thing under the blanket in the corner is still running my life. Yeah. Whether I'm acknowledging it or not, it's still running my life. And Brene Brown has this amazing quote where she says, her corporate clients will say to her, we don't want to go into that touchy feely stuff. We don't want to open Pandora's box at work. And her response was, do you think Pandora's box isn't running the show already? Because it is. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it is. So whether you choose to confront it or not doesn't matter because how you feel about homosexuality and queerness is running the show. Yes. Whether you take the time to explore it or not and take the risk to explore it or not doesn't matter. So if you want to take some control and if you want to have some input into how it's going to run the show, you've got to take the blanket off that thing in the corner. Yeah. And just, yes, and just see what the hell's going on. And actually... I think the thing is, is it's it's the same with sort of any anxieties, fears or whatever. When you actually stand up and confront them, they don't actually turn out to be as scary as the what ifs if we'd kept the blanket over it in the first place. 
That's right. Mm. That's right. And I have to say, I feel like for women, for moms, we all have a sexuality story. 75% of us have gone through a really horrible experience based around sexuality. Yeah. Um, Usually a man forcing his sexuality on us. So it's hard for us as moms to, because we are in such protective mode as moms and to, to put the brakes on and say, ah, crap, 20 years ago, I did have this experience and I haven't wanted to think about it for this long because I'm a different person now. I'm a mom. I'm not that 15 year old kid, but that experience is affecting how you are parenting your 15 year old child. Yeah. Without even realizing it sometimes. That's right. So yeah, face our own fears, face our own issues and I guess just put your big girl boy pants on and just, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's quite a big one for many parents to digest, I guess. I, it is for me. It is for me. And I'll give you an example. So my oldest son, um, he chose to live with his dad for his senior year. And then in the middle of his senior year, his girlfriend was invited to come live in the home as well. And I freaked out. Like I had this intense reaction (laughs) and I'm just not that person anymore. I don't have intense reactions like that anymore. So it was very kind of out of character for me, which let me know, oh, this is a trigger. (laughs) Something, this doesn't have to do with this situation. It has to do with me. And so I was able to trace it back to a moment when I was 10 years old and my youngest daughter is 10 years old now. And my older brother was a senior in high school, just like my son. And his girlfriend came and lived in the house, just like my son, right? And it imploded. And it had horrible ramifications for my family. And it was three days after my huge, massive freak out. And I hadn't slept and I hadn't done anything. And all I was doing was meditating and walking. And I finally had that like light bulb moment. Okay. This is why I'm freaking out. And this is why it's going to be okay. Because Chad and I are not my parents from 20 years ago. Like, we are we're way better parents. <laughs> so we're going to handle this. Like, we have more knowledge and more resources, don't we? Mm-hmm. We do. We yeah. do. Yeah. And so it was just lovely. And then I was able to take that to my son and say, dude, I totally freaked out on you. And this is why. And he was able to say, I had no idea that happened when you were a kid. No reason you freaked out. Like, yeah, that makes sense. And we were able to bond on a really cool level. It was awesome. So it's invariably what triggers us is our own shit, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Yeah. it is. So if your kid's coming up to you and saying, mom, I'm a lesbian, and you freak the heck out. Yeah. Well, that's your issue. That's not her issue. Yeah. That's yours. And you've got some work to do. So... It is. So it's, it's, yeah. So sorting, sorting stuff out. And then I guess it sort of levels the playing field a bit, doesn't it? So for, for when we are able to support our kids, if, if they're, or I don't even mean support because sometimes, you know, you know, if, if we are parents who are less triggered 
more accepting of our own issues and and you know and and our own sexuality and have managed to work out whatever stories we do or don't have then for a child to come out to sort of you know parents in that sort of situation it's not actually any big deal surely or is that very naive still yeah it's a little naive just because there there are issues and both good and bad that come with being a queer kid so I, I hesitate to say it's no big deal because it is. It's a pretty big deal. I, I, I do remember one thing you did say, which links up with this, is the fact that when parents go, oh, no, no, I, just, I, I don't care if you're sort of straight or not, or I don't care if you're a lesbian or not. And actually just by using those words don't care says enough in itself, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It's really dismissive. And my kids and I hear it all the time. Their teachers at school will tell them all the time, we don't care that your mom is gay. Okay, like I can see where the, where you're trying to be loving and not judgmental with that. But the fact is, is that my kid has the only gay mom in the school that we know of. That makes her feel very odd. And And you as a teacher who's spending eight hours a day with her, you are the only one that can make that feeling feel better. So I need you to care. I so need you must you to care. care. Yeah. Right. And, and then you can flip it and say, if my daughter was queer, teacher, I need you to care about that because she's one of 5% or less in your classroom that identifies that way. So she feels odd. But here's, here's the, the flip side of that. LGBTQ people develop an incredible sense of self. They develop an incredible compass of BS. And if you try BSing them, they will call you on that <laughs> because they don't have time for BS. They need to know, are they safe in your environment or right. are they not? And they're going to figure that out in the first 30 seconds. Right. So if you want them to feel safe, i.e. them able to learn from you, teacher, you need to establish that and you need to care. It does have to matter to them because literally our lives are on the line often. So if we are going to have a relationship with you, we need to feel safe. And you telling me that you don't care what my sexuality is does not make me feel safe. So what is, what on the flip side of that, how, how, how is the best way to respond then? When someone comes out to you, is that it? Mm-hmm. So the very first thing I, I tell parents is, this is a pivotal moment. This is a crossword. Yeah. Okay. If they actually came to you and are actually using the words with you, you have, first of all, celebrate. Because that means you've presented an environment that feels safe enough for them to do so. Wow. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Acknowledge that right off the bat. They could be 30 and telling you, or 38 in my case and telling yeah. you. Right. Okay. So the fact that they're coming to you as a kid and telling you, mom, I think I'm gay. Oh, celebrate that. Cause that means they really trust you and they feel safe around you. So first acknowledge that, that your relationship is on that level. And then acknowledge that at this point in this conversation, your relationship is either going to get bigger and better and stronger and more solid, or it's going to start to disintegrate. Those are your two paths from this yeah. conversation. Okay, so I, I realize that's a lot of pressure, but now I'm going to tell you, 
And you don't have to know how you feel about this. You don't have to know how you feel about your child being on the spectrum somewhere in this moment, because this conversation is actually not about you. This conversation is about them. And so all you have to say is, thank you for telling me. How do you feel about that? Because they have feelings about how they are identifying and they need to talk about them. They need to get them all out. And so your job in that conversation is just to ask questions and listen. You do not have to have an opinion. You're going to go away and you're going to develop your opinion later and it's going to change and it's going to morph and it's going to evolve. And that's great. But in that initial conversation, it is not about you. Mm -hmm. It's about your child. So I guess if, if the parents are having this conversation, I know for many and for me as well, I sort of get um, I, I, I get the lesbian and I get the gay. What I don't quite understand is um, gender fluidity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not accepting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I sort of, because I don't have experience of that. So what, what do parents do if, you know, I, I don't even know how the conversation's likely to go, but what, is a child likely to sort of come out and sort of go, uh, you know, what, what are the words that they use? What, do, what and, and how, how does a parent react to something that they don't even understand the language, if that makes sense? Yeah. So again, it's reacting without judgment and just asking them how they feel about it and figure out how, what words are they using, right? Mm -hmm. If they're using words like gender fluid or non-binary, which is also shortened as NB because it's NB. Okay. Um, If they're using those words, will you know they've been doing some internet research? Yeah. And they've probably taken some of those online quizzes. And so that's where they are. But if they use words like, I know I'm supposed to be a girl, but I don't feel like a girl. And when I do this or when I dress this way or when I interact with these people, I'm feeling a discord. I'm feeling a mismatch. Things aren't lining up within me. If they're using those kind of words, then they haven't done the internet research research yet. And you can go on that path together. Okay. So, so first figuring out like where they're at and how they're defining it. Um, And then just as a parent, my next suggestion is literally be very intentional and go find some non-binaries or gender fluid adults in your community Mm -hmm. and literally just take them out for coffee and get to know them. Because I'm I'm not going to say that just because I decided I, or I claimed that I was a lesbian, that I understood the non-binary experience, like not at all. It wasn't until I met a non-binary person and, and he's very male presenting and he goes by male pronouns and his name is Steve. Okay. And he's like six foot tall and he just looks very male. And yet, and so he and I had met via zoom quite often. And then we were at an event together, a speaking event. And when I sat in the room with him and had conversation with him, I felt like I was with a woman Like there was no agenda, like male agenda. Like I didn't have to present myself in that fun, flirty, charming way. I, when he hugged me, I didn't feel like, okay, where are his hands? Okay. How is this working? You know what I mean? Like all those subconscious thoughts that we have when we're around men, 
didn't happen when I was around him. This 26-year-old male presenting human, it was a totally different experience to interact with him, like totally different. And that's when I first started to get it. That's when I was like, oh, you see, you've, you've, just, you've just thrown something in for me because I thought that non-binary meant that um, they don't identify with male or female pronouns, but that's obviously wrong, is it? Because I, I thought non-binary was um, someone sort of wanted to be sort of, um, you know, uh, associated with the, 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 the sort of, being called they rather than he or she. So that's obviously a misconception that I've got. Is that correct? Well, I think that's on a spectrum. I think you have non-binary people that are like, do not put me in a box. I yes. am not male and I am not female. So yeah. don't put me in that box. Okay. Whereas how he felt about it was, it's my interaction with other people. I don't interact with women as if I'm male and I don't interact with men as if I'm male. Got you. So, but I don't identify as a woman. If he identified as a woman, then he would probably label himself as trans. Yes. Okay. But, but he doesn't. He's just him. And it's a very unique energy signature if you're into that. Like to sit in a room with him, that's a different experience. This this <laughs> is this is a massive learning curve, isn't it? And I guess I guess this is where it just comes down to just be compassionate and accepting of everybody, surely. I would agree. I think it's whatever language you need it to be. For me, the language became, wow, everything is a spectrum. Yeah. Like yeah. gender is a spectrum and identity is a spectrum. And we are all on it somewhere. And even the most like manly men, right? They are somewhere on that spectrum. Maybe it's all the way over on one side, but yeah. they're on the spectrum. And so I really liked that concept of as different as we all are, that's a unifying concept is that we're all here. We're actually all LGBTQ and that Q can stand for questioning, right? We are all questioning like, all right, so like how male am I? How female am I? Yeah. How non-binary am I? And, and that is going to change. You're going to feel one way in your 20s and a whole different way in your 50s, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. So it, 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 it's a matter of, I mean, sometimes, and I, I, I'm sort of trying to, I, I feel like I'm treading on eggshells, not in a bad way, but it's just sort of, I, I, I feel like I've got my sort of size 10 boots on and I, I, I'm sort of just trying to work out um, where I sort of go with the language I use. But I know that sort of pulling it back a bit, you've used the word queer quite a lot. And mm. in the UK, it used to be, and I think I've asked you this question before, um, but in the UK, and I don't know if it is still, but it used to be a really derogatory term. And yet I hear you using it with love, with compassion, with sort of, you know, just with, with, with sort of understanding. And yet I don't know. It's, I mean, it, did it used to be, is it still a, a, a word that can sort of have negative connotations or is it is it past that? I do feel like, I mean you get the right person and anything that comes out of their mouth is of nasty, course. right? <laughs> so again, this is something that lives on a spectrum. There is definitely an intentional movement in the LGBTQ community to reclaim the word queer. Um, 
because it can be so helpful for so many people. Let me give you an example. A friend of mine identifies as a woman. Yep. Her, her biological gender is a woman. And she fell in love with a woman that she worked with. A year later, that woman transitioned to a man. Okay. Okay. So does that make my friend a lesbian? Does that make her straight? No one knows. And so we're just going to call her queer. (laughs) So the queer is so all encompassing. Got you. It helps. It it can really help people feel. I have another friend who she's like, Alina, lesbian doesn't work for me, but queer really does. Okay. And and she's in a marriage with a with a man, sorry. She so you can call her heterosexual, but she knows that if she wasn't married, she'd be doing makeout sessions with the neighbor down the street, the lady neighbor, right? So she could call herself bisexual or she could call herself queer. It doesn't matter, but it is really helpful in giving people a word that resonates with them. I and I nearly sort of said do any of these labels matter? Um, and maybe that's me being, this is me in my size 10 boots, because um, I, I guess to many, they are very important because it gives them, gives, and it doesn't matter if it's the parents, the kids or whoever, or whoever comes out at whatever age, it gives them something to relate to. But when all said and done, aren't we just humans and aren't we all on this journey together where we should be loving and respecting one another irrelevant of what they call themselves irrelevant or or is that again me from my sort of you know my little bubble sort of just trying to be a bit Pollyanna um no I think it's trying to be a bit evolved and which is awesome and I think that our society is heading that direction yeah it is um Right. The amount of people who are now identifying as bisexual is like through the roof. I think more and more people are realizing, yeah, I like to be with guys when I'm in this place. And I like to be with women when I'm in this place. And and maybe this place and this place is my 20s and my 50s. Like there's a lot of that. Right. Yeah. And so I do think we are slowly evolving that direction. However, how we identify is 90% of the time not apparent, right? When I walk down the street, no one's gonna go, there's a lesbian, unless I'm holding hands with my girlfriend, right? And so it's this huge part of me that really defines a whole lot of my life, but it's not apparent on the outside. And so in order to find people that I know I'll be safe around, it's helpful to find labels. Okay, got you. Right. So to me, LGBTQ is lovely, as well as I would like the A to stand for allies, because I I wish I could know by looking at someone if they were my ally. Wouldn't that yeah. be awesome? Right. And so when someone actually does wear that ally pin, it actually feels really good to me. And if teachers wore that on the first day of school, oh, my gosh, the change that would happen. Right. Oh, wow. And so... Yeah. To be able to know, like, in, and especially today in social media world, I can click on someone's profile and if they have a rainbow or if they have LGBTQ or if they have an ally 
sticker on their profile, it means something to me. And so I don't know that we'll be able to get away from all the letters. I call them the alphabet mafia until we have created a world that is a lot safer for our community. Yeah. And we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. 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 And and finally, because I think this this sort of ties it up nicely, is on our pre-call as well, we were discussing the benefits for parents when they or when they sort of realize their child's future. Just yeah. I, I, explain more about that because I've got my notes here yeah. and I'm sort of thinking, I know what I mean, but I don't know how to verbalize it. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. let me give you like I often work with parents who are suspecting or have just found out that their kid is somewhere on that spectrum. And so it can feel, first of all, as mothers, your very first reaction is, what did I do wrong? And often as fathers, the very first reaction is, what did your mother do wrong? Like that's that's the truth of it right there. Yeah, that's the that's the sad truth, isn't it? That is the sad truth. Yeah. And so I'm gonna let you figure out how to let go of that because that takes some introspection and some self-awareness. Yeah. Um, but the next reaction, let me hand that to you. Okay. So let's just go down the letters. L. If your child comes out to you as a lesbian, guess what? They're never gonna get accidentally pregnant. Yay! <laughs> Okay. Also, also, (laughs) they, lesbians have the best body image of all the spectrum. Okay. Lesbians could care less what your body looks like, because if I'm attracted to you, it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. And so if your daughter identifies as a lesbian, she's probably not going to have an eating disorder. Yeah. She is probably going to grow up more confident than her peers. She is probably going to marry or become partners with another lesbian who has the same strong body image. And if they have your granddaughter, that granddaughter is going to be raised with a strong, positive body image. That's awesome. That's so (laughs) great. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like total benefit there. Okay. So gay. Your son, if he comes out to you as gay, he's not going to accidentally get a girl pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be a grandma at age 39. How awesome for you. (laughs) Okay. So obviously that's like an early thing. But also, man, gay men, I, I mean, I don't have to harp on this because we all know their world is so much bigger than your typical straight man. Your gay son is going to notice when you've had a hard day. He has more empathy. Yeah. He's literally going to be a more empathetic person because of his sexuality. And what a bonus. He is going to notice when people are struggling. He's going to notice when his coworker walks in that day with tears in her eyes. He's going to be that man to put his arms around her and say, how can I help you? Yeah. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. Be proud of that son. Be really proud of him. Okay, let's go to LGBT, trans. Okay, if your son or daughter comes out to you as trans, first of all, take a deep breath and enjoy every moment you have with them. And take their mental health very, very seriously. You are now in the position 
where you can preserve their mental health because they have been very vulnerable with you. They have shared that they're in a very vulnerable space and now you get to put your superhero cape on and you're going to keep them safe for as long as you possibly can. And you are going to provide an environment where they feel totally and fully valued and loved, not just tolerated. Mm -hmm. Like they are literally handing you an opportunity to become parent of the year. Like if, if your driving force is to make a big impact and a big effect on your environment, you have a huge opportunity to do that with your trans kid. Okay. Yeah. LGBTQ. That's where we're at, right? Yeah. So I think we can go queer usually stands for either queer Q stands for queer or questioning. Okay. And you can just embrace the idea that they are not stuck in these boxes of what sexuality looks like because they are willing to question. Mm -hmm. And you might use that as inspiration in your own life. What are you willing to question? Are you willing to question your sexuality or your gender? Mm -hmm. That could be really cool to like really figure it out because if you really are straight, there is another level of intimacy that can be found when you embrace your straightness. So those are some great benefits to having your child be different than you. And, And I think that's something that has to be acknowledged right from the beginning is that they are living an experience that you will never understand, but you can get close Yeah, and you can use empathy and they will teach you things that you never even thought you needed to know. And you're going to have, you're going to meet amazing people and you are going to be able to have conversations with other parents on a level that you were never able to have before. Like your life is opening up in a really cool way. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is is the fact that, I mean, even now, whilst we're sort of recording this is that everyone sort of goes, oh, well, it's the uncertainty of what's going on and we don't know. And life is never certain. And so it's important to open your up your, your mind up to changes, to um, different opportunities. And, and as you say, if your child um, sort of comes out, it, it sort of LBGTQ, whatever they want to identify with, that opens up the possibility for us as parents to learn because we have to adapt and change to life anyway. So to be able to have that opportunity to form a deeper relationship with our kids has got to be a bonus, surely. It really does. And especially because even if you're, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't have a kid on that spectrum, as of now, I do not, but you are able to develop who you are as a person right now, Mm -hmm. because chances are one of your grandkids will be. Yeah. Like there's like a 25% chance that one of your grandkids will be because right now LGBTQ people are five to 10% of the population, but the more people that embrace their bisexuality or their spectrum, chances are you're going to have a grandkid on the spectrum somewhere. So even if you have straight kids right now, this is a great time to start figuring out your own sexuality story so that you can be that incredible ally grandparent for your grandkids. Oh, wow. How exciting is that? Yeah. Yeah. My love, thank you so much. Thank Thank you so much. This is lovely. Yeah, I I really, I really appreciate your, um, well, just you, you, you sort of 
offering some sort of perspective for me because and and hopefully a number of other listeners because uh, it's it's great to just for me to be able to talk and to learn and to just sort of find out a little bit more so thank you thank you this is lovely I, I, I shall pop all your information in the show notes because I know that there will be people who are not only your TEDx talk but also about uh, the, the the Joy Foundation because that that's important so thank you thank yeah. you for bringing your wisdom to the world thank you appreciate it much love thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast if you want to help other parents looking for support then please share this with your friends and family because if you found this podcast useful then they will too so please share via your social media if you have any parenting questions then please give me a shout through my email which is toolbox at kygraham.com and I may even use your question as a future podcast episode if you want to connect please come and join me on Instagram just search for Kai Graham also could you do me a favour please parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times and I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes and a good one by the way (laughs) because when you do it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too thank you and as always this comes with much love